DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. Speaking of America, our top athletes are over in Tokyo competing for the gold. And DraftKings has a medal-worthy offer just for my listeners. Listen to this great offer. Place any pre-event wager of $1 to be eligible to cash $100 in free credits if America wins any medal this year. That's 100 to 1 odds on American athletes to stand on the podium and receive gold, silver, or bronze this week. 100 to 1 odds on an offer like this doesn't come around often, so sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now to get in on all the action. I love using DraftKings Sportsbooks. It's really easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits if America wins a medal. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 in free credits for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WIT. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 127 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another wild Wednesday, midweek, hump day as they call it. So thank you very much for tuning in, whether, no matter where it may be, on the commute, on the train ride to work, are you hiding in your cubicle? Trying to stay away from Bethany. You don't want to hear about the boil on her cat's ass. So you got your headphones on. You're in the back eating your spam. Ducking down. Relax. You're on break. Sit back. Let the sights and the sounds fly through the air. And here we go. But guys, I will tell you this. As you're listening to this, you know where I am? I am at the lake. Perhaps, hopefully on the boat or out fishing, swimming in the lake, whatever. All I know is I'm not at work and I'm on vacation. So what I'm doing, of course, I'm not recording this from the lake. Um, I had recorded this interview uh, earlier, and uh, I'm doing this intro on a Saturday and uh, getting it all together, and I'm going to fire it over to the network boys, and they're going to upload this Wednesday, and it's like I've been here the whole time. There you go. 
the magic of the internet teleporting me. But no, even though I'm on vacation, I'm still working for you folks. The voice of the people. I'm here for the people. No, I thank you very much for tuning in. I have a very fun guest today, uh, Harrison Harper, uh, young guy. Uh, normally, I said all my guys that I interview in the 80s and 90s, they played. This guy's currently playing. Well, he played last year. He's not quite sure what he's going to do this year. Um, but I think it's a really cool. Um, yeah, you got to get the got to get the young guns in here. Give them a it's a it's a different generation, maybe a different look on things. Although it's oddly enough, me and old uh, Double H, we sort of. Uh, Sort of view things the same, actually. Um, I said, I think Harrison, he missed, he came along two decades too late, maybe. He would have loved the 80s uh, or the 90s. But um, no, it, it's cool um, in the fact that uh, it, it's a, Harrison has a unique perspective just due to the fact that he, he played at all the different levels. He played junior A, played major junior with Lethbridge Hurricanes. Uh, then he went and played college. We got a college graduate. You know, we, we don't have too many of them on the show. So, uh, university, he played university hockey, and then, of course, he played pro in the Southern Pro League for Birmingham. Um, so, yeah, so uh, we cover that. Obviously, we cover his entire career, but uh, we just discuss the, the differences between the levels, um, the mindset of each, of each level, and is college hockey with no fighting cleaner than junior or pro hockey? Tune in and find out. I'm not going to give you the answer, but uh, you're getting it right from the pl- the horse's mouth. The player's going to tell you. Um, Harrison also started up a uh, last year started up his own podcast, and uh, while he had done uh, I, I air quotes college radio uh, in Nipsing when he was there, um, they did kind of a, a, a athletic uh, podcast like a school type podcast. But he broke out on his own, and it's called the Podject. And, uh, yeah, he just, I've, I've listened to a bunch of episodes, um, and he sort of talks about everything. Um, really actually doesn't talk about much about hockey at all, but, uh, no, he's an interesting guy, funny dude. Um, you know, he's, he's up there roofing up in Northern Ontario. So, um, I, I want to thank him again for taking the time to, uh, I mean, we had, we had talked about doing this episode forever and, uh, you know. I mean, he's busier than a one-legged waitress at the IHOP. There we go. I'll date myself with that joke. Um, he's everywhere, so he was hard to pin down, and uh, we had kind of lost touch. Um, and then he just uh, emailed me one night, and he was just like, yeah, dude, we, I got to get on that show. And I was like, yeah, you do. So uh, we finally did it, and uh, no, it was it was great, and it was fun talking to him. And uh, I know he had been up since like 5.30 or whatever, and it, he's in Ontario, so it's like a two, he's ahead two hour time difference. And, uh, I mean, by the time we got done recording, I think it was about midnight, uh, his time. And I think you can hear it a little bit in his voice there. He's getting pretty tired, but I don't blame him, but he trooped it, trooped it out. And, you know, I haven't even looked at the run length. I think it's about an hour, 15, hour and a half, something like that. So uh, we put in some time, but, uh, uh, if you guys want to check out his tilts, um, they're all on hockeyfights.com. He was in eight tilts and 40 games with Lethbridge. Uh, and then his, I think his uh, pro tilts are on there too. But uh, uh, like I said, yeah, he played the Maritime League with uh, Miramichi and uh, talk about that. And, uh, you know, I wanted to get more stories from the Not an Anchor Bar, but I don't think he had, he, I don't think he had any. But 
we talk about the nightlife in Miramichi, but it was uh, no, it was just a fun conversation with the, with the young cat here, and I think you guys will really like it. So um, I'm not like I said, I'm not going to talk too long today. Um, hey, I hope everybody enjoyed my two part Colt King. Uh, of course, as I'm speaking, I haven't part two hasn't come out yet. Um, that is coming out on the. Well, I guess it would have been last Sunday that you're listening to this. My time warp is screwing me up. But, uh, no, I hope you guys enjoyed the two-part Colt King. Um, yeah, and also, like I always say, check out my back catalog. McIntyre, Morasti, Tedarenko. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, definitely check those out. Um, also, as I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented. Of course, those shows are busy right now with the expansion draft that went on with Seattle and, uh, and of course in the NHL draft that's happening, uh, this weekend as I'm recording. Um, I, I said, I kept, I picked the worst time to release a two part Colt King interview. Uh, yeah, when all that was going on, I felt bad. He kind of got, uh, unfortunately, I think he got buried amongst the NHL bullshit that went on last week. So, you know, but nonetheless, I hope you guys go back if you have not yet and, and definitely check it out. It was a Colts, a great, great interview. Good dude. A lot of fun to talk to, but, uh, anyway, but going back to the NHL. Yeah. So, I mean, those shows were really busy talking about the draft picks and everything else. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Although, like I said to the one, I laughed. I, I can't remember the kid's name. Ottawa took him in the first round. And oh, I, uh, I model my game after Tom Wilson, he says. Oh, okay. Well, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, I go and look. Yeah. He's played, uh, under 17, like, uh, whatever they call it, the under 17 American team. And then he's in college. Never been in a fight in his life. I'm like, well, how do you model your game after Tom Wilson then when you've never fought? I'm like, oh, okay. But yeah, that's the NHL 2021 hockey right there. I'm going to model myself, you know, despite never fighting, you know. It's like the guy who goes, uh, you know, goes the season with one goal and says he models himself after Ovechkin. Like, <laughs> oh, well. I And I mean, I'm not knocking the kid or whatever. It just, it struck me funny, you know. And all, like I said, all these draft preview shows and scrolling social media. And I, you got all these clowns talking about the strengths and weaknesses of the draft picks. They've never seen these kids play. I'm not going to say what podcast, whatever it was. I it was nothing on the network. I was just looking and it was like, um, who was it? Was it San Jose? I don't know. It was some dork with the San Jose website or vlogger or whatever. And he's talking about the new draft pick and, oh, a big right-handed shot and good stride. No, the fuck would you know? You live in San Jose, you know, like you watched any of these guys play, you know. I just think, oh, you guys are so full of shit. It's just such, it's all just cliche and just the hockey terms. And, oh, yeah, he's got great gap control, great, you know, and the active stick and all this horse shit. And, oh, yeah, but whatever. NHL Draft 2021L. But, uh, anyway, check out all the, uh, the hockey podcast network for all, for all that good stuff. Uh, for my off-network friends, of course, Joe Lazito. Get rid of Lazito over at the Coliseum Chronicles. Um, he just had the interview with Ben Olson that, that was great. Really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, Joe's, uh, like I said, I'm kind of ahead of myself. So Joe hasn't, he'll have an episode out on Monday, but I'm like, again, I have, I've like, I'm behind. So, uh, but 
Joe does a great job. He's got a great back catalog. Mick Fakota, Dean Ewan, Jason Strudwig, Bolton, on and on. Joe does a bang up job. Um, I know. Well, I know for one thing. Uh, I know Joe was hanging on every word. Actually, I think him and Alec from Five the Five for Fighting Show should team up. Maybe do it. Who won the draft? Maybe they could talk, and you know, Joe could take a break from interviewing ex Islander Zamboni drivers or whatever Islander personnel. No, it'll be a ushers from Albany that worked the games when Bridgeport played. That that's their Islander connection. That's who Joe's interviewing next. That wasn't bad though. I just came up with that off the top of my head. I didn't even, you know. Uh, I, I've given Joe, I, look at this, like, what are we, a couple minutes in here, and I'm giving Joe gold, gold, Joe, it's gold, that's what I think you should do, the, the Zamb, the top five Zamboni drivers of Bridgeport, there you go, what am I even saying, I have no idea anymore, I'm just giddy that I'm finally going on holidays, yeah, I mean, it's not for very long, but nonetheless, I will not have to put on coveralls and get up at five o'clock for a few days anyway. But yes, in all seriousness, Joe does a great job, and uh, definitely check out his show. Alec, back in the game, the Five for Fighting podcast, uh, out there in Florida, Florida man, yeah. So you can understand what kind of floor, what kind of podcast Florida man will bring you. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah, from the Sunshine State, with his living with his enabler. Yeah, she talked him into it again. So there we go, the Mud Show back on the air. I think he's interviewing Rob Volterra. I think that's his next episode that's coming out. So I'm actually really, I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, no, it's good. Like I said, it's good to have Alec back. Uh, back, the three of us, the three meatball podcasts are back in action. So that'll be, that's good. Maybe we can take it, overtake these draft clowns, preview clowns. But check out Alec's back catalog. Yablonski, Ray, Segroy. Lots of good stuff there. No, so Florida man strikes again. Alec is back in the saddle. Joe's out there cruising around uh, Coney Island, and uh, here I am, out at the lake, feet in the feet in the water off the pontoon boat. Maybe uh, maybe trolling a little bit. For once, I'm not trolling on social media. I'll be trolling out the back of the boat. It's all good. So I'm going to shut up. I'm going to go on holidays now. I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and uh, I will talk to you on Sunday. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and uh, here we go with uh, Harrison Harper. Hopsy, coming at you. Thanks, everybody. All right, here we are in the fourth line voice. Uh, on the line. Actually, I've been trying to get a hold of this cat for a while. We've been setting this up, uh, you know, and uh, but former Western Hockey Leaguer, uh, Maritime Junior A player, college, we got college graduates. Don't have too many college graduates on this show, so this is something different. But uh, on the line, Harrison Harper. Harrison, how are you doing tonight? Very good, Darren. Thanks so much for having me on. Like you said, it's uh, been a bit of a process making this happen, but it's been an uh, honor to finally get on the show. No, yeah, we've been uh, yeah we've been talking about it for a while on social media. I said, man, oh man, I mean, I could probably get a hold of uh, you know somebody in Congress before I could get uh, Hopsy on the line here. So this is. Uh, you're a busy cat, man. Yeah, no, and I don't know. It just I'm awful with the scheduling, kind of things like that. But I honestly think it was um, like a year ago we were talking about making this happen, and then we kind of just went cold feet on it. And then this past month, we 
started talking again. So again, finally getting on, but it's been good. It's been good. Yeah, a little bit busy right now, trying to work a lot, but uh, nice to get on and uh, do this with you tonight. No, I certainly appreciate it. And uh, yeah, like I said, we'll we'll kind of go through your career. We'll talk about a few things. And I got some questions for you. I was uh, I was catching up on your, and of course Harrison here has his own podcast uh, called the the Project. And I was I was listening to a bunch of episodes today in the truck, um, and we'll get into all that because I got some questions for you. But uh, first of all, well, why? I mean, we'll start at the beginning. Where were you? Uh, Born and raised and uh, played your minor hockey. So I was born and raised in uh, Calgary, Alberta, and uh, I was a Northwest Calgary kid. So I was kind of grew up like inner city. I played for the Westwood Warriors when I was really young, but then when you get up a little older, I played for like the Northwest. It's called like the Northwest Calgary Athletic Association. Uh, went up through there, and I didn't play. Um, I didn't even play like midget AAA. I played Bantam AAA. I got drafted. Uh, in the Bantam draft in the Western League, like, 12th round, like, really late. Like, I didn't even think I was going to get drafted. And then, like, at the very last second, someone took me, and it was Leftbridge. And uh, I ended up going on and playing a little bit there and having a really good time. But, yeah, I grew up in Calgary. That's where I played my minor hockey. And then uh, kind of took off for junior, played a little junior B. But I basically was in Calgary until I was about 16. And, Unfortunately, the way it's all gone, love Calgary. Haven't really been back, but been back for some summers and whatnot in the past. But you know, haven't been home in, in Calgary in a long time. But that's where I grew up and started playing hockey. Well, yeah, I noticed you. Yeah, you played some double A and stuff, and then uh, it says here you played for the uh, the Airdrie Thunder in the Heritage Junior B League. Is that correct? So I was, yeah, I was in my twelfth grade year, and that's where I ended up playing. I. Came back late from Lethbridge one year, and they put in some rule where uh, you couldn't come back after some deadline. So I couldn't play midget AAA, so I ended up playing junior B up there. And I mean, it was kind of different, but it was uh, I had a good time. You know, the hockey actually wasn't that bad, so it worked out well. Okay, so you had gone to Leth, you had made Lethbridge first that year. Well, they kept me around like so when I was seventeen. I signed with them at a training camp. And um, I'd always been a defenseman. And then that year, they they wanted me to play as a forward in Lethbridge. And um, so I, they kept me around for, like, the first seven or eight games of the regular season, and I got scratched for all of them. Uh, I played some preseason, though. I played pretty well, had a goal, had a, had a fight, fought, had a pretty good tilt. And then they kept me around for, the, like I said, first, I mean, maybe a month, month and a half. And then they sent me home, and then... Like I, I ended up playing junior B that year and in the Heritage League, in the Thunderdome in Airdrie, it was called. And it was actually a sweet spot, great group of guys, and we had a pretty good team that year, so that was fun. I played, it was weird though, so I'd go back and I'd play D when I was playing junior B, and then Lethbridge would like call me up at Christmas time, and then call me two different times that year, and like they just kept sending me back, but I kept getting called up and playing forward for Lethbridge, and then I'd get sent back and play junior B as a defenseman, so it was kind of funny. But well, that was the only time in my life I played forward was when I did play in Lethbridge. But uh, I mean, I try, I try, I took a run at the the uh, you know the role. You know, they wanted me to mix it up a little bit and throw and fight a bit. And I mean, I did, I did that a little bit to a degree. I wish I did a more. Probably would have helped me last a little bit longer in the league. But 
I, mean, I had fun doing what I did there when I was there, and it was a really good time when I got to play in the Western League. I mean, I've got nothing but good things to say about that league. It was such a good time. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, like, uh, you know, uh, when you were coming in, I mean, uh, you know, you're late, you're late bantam pick. I mean, you know, I'm not disrespect, but you were, and then, you know, you're kind of a, you know, they want to move you up to forward. I was gonna say, did they sort of impress upon you that, uh, without saying it, that if you fought, you would maybe stick around more, or did you sort of just sort of, no, uh, you decide that on your own? Well, it was. It- funny how it happened like i when I, I got drafted so late and i remember i was like joking around with some of my buddies i was like yeah they took me so late like they're gonna turn me into like a right winger or something like that and try to get me to play in the fourth line it was a kind of like a joke i always made like no disrespect to that role at all like that's exactly what ended up happening to me and um i think it was i played when i was like my first two because you know the band draft are so young so like yeah. 15 you go to camp you're not going to make the team, and especially as a 12th round pick. Like I think I talked to like the Western scout as I walked out the door. Like no one even said a word to me other than him, and he just said like, "You know, you had a good camp. Come back." Year after, I kind of like I really wanted to make. I don't know. I didn't think I was going to make the team at 16, but like I was in camp, like trying my best too, and I was playing really hard. And I remember I was throwing the body around a bit, and I think they kind of got an idea that I might be a little bit. You know, might be the kind of guy that might want to play a little, you know, play some tough minutes kind of thing. And then I remember I was, I was at a couple, like, I was at a spring camp or something like that. I think it was, like, for the Brooks Bandits or something like that. And I got in a pretty good tilt. And then uh, one, I don't know if there was a, one of the scouts for Lethbridge was a scout with one of them with, with Brooks or something like that. But the word ended up getting to him, and they thought then they kind of put two and two together. And then they were losing one of their older guys that fought a lot. And they called me in the summer, and, like, they weren't, like, felt like they weren't, like, you go, you want to fight, you got to fight every night. But they were, like, you know, would you be open to playing on playing forward, potentially? Like, I know you're a defenseman, but, you know, we were losing a guy. And I, that's It was a guy that fought a lot. So, in my head, I was, you know, I'll put two, two together. And they said, you know, there's a good opportunity for you to, you know, do this and be successful and then, you know, progress your game from there. And I was kind of, like, it, at the time, I was – so down for it you know i would do it again for sure but you know that was kind of how the conversation started and it was it was pretty black and white but i mean i knew it was expected going into it and i agreed to do it and you know there was no uh resentment there at all it happened exactly how it should have happened in my eyes yeah i was gonna say so like did you sort of i mean were you kind of a were you a physical guy growing up like you know did it sort of uh I mean, I guess, I mean, no one's really fighting in Pee Wee or Bantam or anything, but I mean, yeah. like, were you, when, like, kind of when you were going into that, you know, that 18 year old, you're in Lethbridge and they're going to move you up to forward, like you said, it's sort of, you know, the writing's on the wall, what they want you to do. Did you take anything to get, re- like, did you go do any MMA or boxing or anything to get ready for it or just shit, here we go? No, I went shit, here we go. And that was my <laughs> biggest mistake. I found with, like, because, you know, I got up there and I was confident. Like, I'd been in a couple of fights and stuff like that. And I'd done okay because I was a bigger kid at the time. And, yeah. but, like, I remember my first fight ever, like, in a stupid, like, junior A spring camp. Like, I got the shit kicked out of me. And I remember I kind of laughed because I was like, you know, you always think I was a big kid, always physical, you know, threw my weight around. You know, you always think you're tough. And then you get punched in the face a couple of times. You're like, all right. So maybe you're like, you got to, it keeps you humble. So... <laughs> 
I, I remember, like, I, I got into it, and then when I got into the Western League, I mean, I was, I, I mean, I was fighting guys, and I think I was doing pretty well. I wasn't fighting, like, real, because I feel like with my, like, I, I played in, you know, 2011 to 2013, you know, there was, I mean, it's not, even then it wasn't what, it, you know, as crazy as the league has been in the past, but there were still some big, bad dudes, in my eyes especially, that were playing in the league at the time, and I mean, I fought a couple big guys in my eyes, but like, you know, I was fighting guys kind of in my category. I was like a, my first full year, I was an 18 year old rookie, and <clears throat> I think I fought eight times in 45 games, which, you know, wasn't great. And it wasn't even like, I think it was probably good for like fourth on my team that year. But, um, you know, it was, it was an awesome league to play in that year. Like, there was a lot of tough guys, you know, games were exciting, and there was always like, the game inside the game was just hilarious, you know, between the benches, there was a lot of chatter and it was just a really fun time. So, I mean, I got nothing but good things to say about that league. Like, honestly, I mean, I kind of went off topic there, but like, it was such a good time playing there. Well, yeah. And your coach at the time was Rich Preston. How, how'd you get along with Rich? I absolutely love Rich Preston. Like I would, um, I can think like I've had a lot of great coaches over my years. And I mean, not that I'm sure any of them are ever going to hear this podcast, no disrespect to them, but I mean, Rich Preston was my favorite. I mean, he was such a, he was such a beauty, like such a coaches, like a player's coach. Sorry. Like he just was like, so not to sound cliche, but he was like, so for the boys, it was, he was such a beauty. And he was just like that old school, the way he communicated. He was so honest with us. Like, if you played like shit, he'd tell you. But if you were playing good, he'd tell you. And, like, I mean, I wasn't uh, I wasn't a great player that year. You know, I was more of a fourth-line guy in and out of the lineup. I think I played 45 games of 72. And, like, I don't think I got hurt at all. So, I mean, like, I was, you know, I ended out of the lineup quite a bit. But, you know, he always made me feel like, you know, I was still, like, as big a part of the team as anyone he was really good to me and just like he, he had so many great stories of like, you know, he wasn't one of those guys that just went on and talked about his own career, but he would like mix in the best stories I've ever heard. Just like that. And they would always have something to relate to what was like happening with us and our season. He had such a good memory. He was just, it was honestly like, it was just, he's hilarious. Like they should make a movie about him and, like the guy from Young Blood should play him. What's that, Patrick Swayze? I always thought he looked just like Patrick Swayze. <laughs> yeah, he was a, he was such a beauty. I, yeah, I loved him, and every guy that I ever know that I played with that's played for him loves him to death. And I, I don't know if he's I don't know if he's still with the he was with the Anaheim Ducks the last I heard. I don't know if he still is an assistant coach there, but what a treat he'd be for those guys. They must adore him up there too. Yeah, well, and it was. Uh... Well, like you said, I mean, there's so, you know, I mean, yeah, it's a little, little later than, you know, uh, than the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, Brant Myers, Dale Purrington, Eric Goddard years in Lethbridge. But I mean, uh, uh, still some, still some tough dudes in the league. Of course, you know, and just even in your division, I mean, Medicine Hat had, you know, Jake Doty and, um, that guy, that, that's a mean dude, man. Doty. Dodie was dead. Dodie was badass. I remember uh, playing him, and I remember that year I had this like rule in my head that I was like, "Well, I like, I won't ask every like because like I I knew I had to tilt a bit, and I should have tilted a lot more. Like looking back at it, eight and forty five was just not enough for the type of player I was. 
I needed to be like doubling that, tripling that. Like that was, I needed to get those numbers up. And I think that was just a tribute to my lack of confidence at that age. Cause I mean, I should have done some more preparation for the boxing, but I had this rule in my head that I was never going to say no. But then I remember like, thankfully Jake Doney never asked me to tilt. <laughs> and we, we lived, we, we lived, we played in the same division, played them a lot. And I mean, he was like effective in that league. He wasn't just a tilt. He, like, he didn't just fight. Like he yeah. fight in the first line, which had like a couple thirty point years. Like I remember, a lot of guys used to like chirp him about his skill. I'm like, what do you mean his skill, man? He put up thirty points and he can fight, beat up anyone in the league. I'm like, I think a lot of us would like to be like that if we could. And I mean, the guy's still playing. I don't know where he's playing now. He's all over the place. He's in the AHL. He's playing in like the British league. Like the guy's carved out an amazing career for himself. I mean power to him. I don't know him personally, but I got a lot of respect for that guy playing one against him one year in that division. I mean, never had, never got the chance to fight him. I mean, looking back at it now, I would have loved to, but uh, at the time, probably, probably, yeah, probably made the right call. Yeah, no, yeah, he played, yeah, in the Ontario Reign in the American League this year, and yeah, he had some big fights, and of course, another guy is Mitch Mraz, and you know, Joel Edmondson was in the league, and uh, with Keegan Kanzig, and uh, you know, there's some there. Yeah, there was some tough du- Mitch. You know, Keegan Lowe. There were some tough dudes in the league that year. Yeah, there were some tough guys. I mean, I didn't. Uh, one, I fought. Uh, I think the toughest guy I fought that year would definitely have to be. I'd say uh, Dalton Thrower. I fought him once in Saskatoon. He was a. I thought he was a pretty tough guy. He used to fight pretty much a, a lot of a lot of people. It seemed a lot of a lot of tough dudes and. He gave it to me pretty good one night on like a, in front of like a legitimate packed house in Saskatoon. Like the, the place was like I think it was sold out. It was Hockey Day in Canada. They had some big promotion. Me and him squared up, and he gave it to me pretty good. It was pretty, you know, it was pretty funny. You know, we see the video, but I mean, uh, yeah, he was a pretty tough dude. There, there was there was a lot of tough dudes. I mean, every every team that was good in that league had multiple tough tough dudes, and that was just the way it was in my eyes. It was a heavy game. And uh, it was fun. It was a very fun game to be a part of. It was very entertaining. There were so many, there was so many like games inside of the game where you know they you bring in that aspect of guys that all these guys could play too. But they were there's a lot of tough guys and there's a lot of I mean in my eyes there's some theatrics that was going on between whistles and stuff like that. That was awesome. It was just fun to be around and be a part of. There, there there's not many leagues like that, right? and not as many I've been a part of to this date anymore that's for sure no no absolutely uh one of the guys i wanted to ask you about um you you talked early on in your the year you played the eight games with lethbridge or you were up and down with them um uh one of the guys on on the on the team was brody sutter um yeah of course legendary from the sutter family what's it like that whole because you know being you know alberta and stuff what the sutter vibe did he give off the Sutter vibe? Yeah, well, I mean, not that I know many other Sutters, but he was the only one that I've ever come in first, you know, close contact with. But he was, I thought he definitely gave up the Sutter vibe just because, I mean, that family is just so legendary. Yeah. I don't, I don't think people, I don't think people like, I mean, I've lived in Ontario, I've been in the Maritimes too. Like they get how cool the Sutter family is, but like, I don't know, there's more of an aura around it out west, I feel. Oh, completely. But, um, yeah. He definitely, de- de- what, what's that, sorry? 
Oh no, completely. I mean, that's why I brought it up. I mean, you know, in that Alberta, yeah. in that Viking ter- area in Western Canada. I mean, especially in the Western Hockey League in that area. You know, they all. I think they all. The Sutters all played for Lethbridge at some point, and it's just like, oh yeah, it's just so legendary their name. Yeah, and he was. I mean, he definitely. I thought he gave up the Sutter the vibe. If I'm not mistaken, it was Rich's son, his Brody, I believe. Uh, but he was a good guy. He was a really nice kid, and. Um, I believe he's still playing to this day. I'm not sure. He played a couple of games in the NHL. I know that, but uh, never ended up making it full time. But you no, know, he's a great guy, and yeah, I definitely kind of gave up that Sutter vibe. But he wasn't uh, he wasn't cocky about it or anything like that. He was a really good guy. I really enjoyed him. I haven't seen him in years. Yeah. No. Yeah. He's, he's playing over in Germany. Um, uh well so yeah that that season in the western league like you said you had a, a couple tilts you're uh you're 18 well well another name i wanted to bring up and of course um uh for the for the islander folks out there uh rich pilon his son ryan pilon uh played with you and i believe he was like he was like 15 at the time when you were there yeah well the the one year when i was up and down at the end of the year, I was up there, and then they brought him in and for a couple of games, and he was 15. If I'm mistaken, is how it went down. But I remember just, like, from the moment I saw him, and I played a full year with him in 16, like, the kid was smooth. Like, he was such a good player, like, skated with ease. Like, he got drafted. I'm not, I don't know what round it was, but he was a – I think he was an Islanders pick. He was, yep. And um, he could have been a – NHL player in my eyes, no doubt. And I don't know why he ended up stopping playing the year after he was done hockey. I'm not sure. I never really kept in touch with him, but he was a he was a beauty. He was a he was a great guy. And uh, forget where he was from, some somewhere in Saskatchewan, good Saskatchewan boy. And uh, yeah, I don't know why he stopped playing. It's a shame, honestly, because I, I think that guy could have been a legit NHL, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what happened there, but uh, yeah, I think he just, he just didn't want to do it anymore, I guess. But uh, yeah, he was. Uh, I heard, I heard he's quite the prospect. But uh, well, <laughs> so the following year, you 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 pack up and uh, you head out uh, to the Maritimes to Miramichi. Uh, how how did you end up in the Maritime Hockey League? Uh, it was kind of hilarious, honestly. So I was at camp with Lethbridge that year uh, Rich Preston wasn't the coach anymore and they brought in Drake Barahowski and he was the coach there and I ended up getting let go right at the end of training camp and I was pretty choked because I was like looking to come in and have like a big year I thought I was like for sure there like and like ready to go and I thought they wanted me there so I was really choked I didn't know what to do, and I really didn't want to go back to Junior A. Like, I thought I had a – I don't know why. For some reason, I wanted to keep playing Major Junior. So I ended up getting on the phones with some people I knew, and I ended up getting in t- contact with the St. John Sea Dogs in the Quebec League. And um, they ended up calling me. I ended up talking to them. I knew of a guy that they brought over from out west, and he was a 20-year-old and they were keeping him as a 20-year-old, and I was, in my head I was like, wow, we're bringing this guy over and keeping him as a 20-year-old. Like, maybe I'll just call him. Like, I'm only, I was only 19 at the time, so I was like, see what they say. They ended up signing me to, like, I don't know what it, what it's called, 
like they ended up signing me to something. I remember signing something, whatever that means. And then they said that they they couldn't bring me right in the camp, or they couldn't they couldn't bring me right in because camp just ended. But if I played with a junior A team in the area, it'd be really easy to get called up. And then they mentioned that I should go to this place called Mirror Machine. It's a good contact there, and I just kind of laughed because. That was it's just that's where my mom and dad are from, so it just was like a really hilarious turn of events. And then I was like, the second I heard I could go back to Miramichi and play there, which I never thought I would be playing junior there, I said yes in a second and ended up having a really good time. And I even got like after I was there, I I, I could have went back to the Western League. I got a couple calls, and then I was already out there and I was already having such a good time. I was playing D again, playing a lot. And I just kind of said, fuck it. And I just stayed and had a really good time out there for two years. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, uh, you know, um, yeah, it's always one of, I, I always want to get out. I've never been out to the Maritimes. I always want to get out there. But uh, how, how, what, so yeah, well, like you said, you had a good time. Um, well, just the, the junior A uh, out there in the Maritimes. Uh, what did you think of the league and how, like, just overall, what was, uh, Pretty. I've I've heard it's pretty rough hockey out there. Yeah. No. Honestly, it was. Um, like I played a little bit in the Alberta Junior League. Like I played a handful of games for Okotoks one year, and played a couple games for Grand Prairie one year. And uh, so I, I knew what it was kind of like. I knew what the vibe was. I I kind of stuck around camps with some teams and stuff like that. And that's where majority of my friends who I grew up with obviously ended up playing in the Alberta League, being from there. But um, the vibe was just completely different in the Maritime League. Like, you know, the Alberta League, every kid thinks they're getting an NCAA scholarship kind of thing. You know what I mean? And yep. I kind of feel like if you played, this was like, and I'm speaking from my own experience, and this could be wrong to some people or not, but kind of felt like it was kind of, you know, I mean, not frowned upon, but they didn't want guys that wanted to, like, they didn't want a guy that wanted to go to Major Junior, you know what I mean? because they don't want to develop a guy that's going to just take off to go play major junior. They'd rather have a guy that wants to commit to stay there. And then like, it seemed like if you came back from major junior, I mean, I feel like you're in some ways, unless you're really good, it was kind of like you're interrupting the team's plans. It was the vibes I'd gotten. But then in the Maritime League, it was just like, they didn't care. Like they wanted as many major junior guys as they could get. And all the younger kids that were playing there were all just trying to get to the queue and, it was honestly like there's not many scholarships coming out of that league, so like no one even like there's not even a thought about NCAA hockey. So I guess just the aura around that was a little different. I found the game was a little heavier. Like every team carried like <laughs> quite a few like tougher guys, and this like every like the good teams had big guys and guys that would fight. I mean, it was a really fun league, and they got great crowds and great little towns in that league and. Such like a hidden gem. Like I mean, I talk really highly of it, and I feel like a lot of my friends know about it because I mean I speak about it. But I, uh, I don't think it gets the recognition it deserves. I mean, that league's uh, a really good league, and I mean, to this day, I feel like I don't know how much they're making kids pay for junior hockey these days, but I know for a fact it's sure a hell of a lot less out there. I can guarantee it. So, I mean, I got nothing. I, that league is a hidden gem. The Maritime League is unbelievable. When uh, when you're in your two seasons out there, uh, what, what were what was your favorite bar, away barn to play in and get it going with well, the crowd? There's a, good, 
There's a good one that, uh, I mean, honorable mention would be Summerside because they've uh, been trying to get a Q team, I guess, there for years. Like, they had a legitimate, what, like, a major junior caliber rink, like, better than half the teams in the Western League. The place was unbelievable. The best place to play in that league is by far Yarmouth. And it's literally like, the tr- it, it, I mean, Yarmouth is at the very end of the Trans-Canada Highway. Like, it just ends. Because it's like the tip of the fucking Canada. Like, it's done. Like, it's just ocean after that. And they have this team called the Yarmouth Mariners out there. Yep. And their rink's called the Fishbowl. And it's just got, like, seating on one side and then, like, one end. Tremendous. And it's just, like, h- hilarious. And it's so loud in there. Some good times, some good like some good, some good, seen some good fights in there. I mean, yeah, that place is unbelievable. I, I recommend uh, if anyone's ever doing a trip out in the Maritimes. I mean, not that you're, I don't think many people are going to put Yarmouth on their list. No, no shame to Yarmouth, but uh, if you're ever a big hockey fan, go out and watch some of these Maritime League games because it's actually a, a really good league, and there's some hilarious towns to go check out. Some to do anyway. Well, yeah. So when you're in Miramichi and uh, you know you wrap up the game, the boys are going to go for where do you where do you go? I looked it up. I looked a few places up. Is there's like the Knot and Anchor and O'Donohue's and the Boulevard? Where where's the where's the hip place to go? Where are the kids going, Harrison? Um, so I was I was really lucky because, like I said, my like my family was from there, and like my mom comes from a huge family of like eight siblings and. A lot of them were pretty local, so I had like a bunch of co- like cousins, like co- several cousins that were around my age. So I got to like, I'd already kind of knew knew a lot of people because of like going there in the summers and whatnot. So when I was back in Miramichi, it was like best case because I was like finally around all these people that I knew growing up, and like we were all able to drink. And then and I just kind of like I kind of feel like I not to sound like hilarious, but I feel like I kind of had like an in with the local crowd. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. it was that it was best case scenario, and then like I got to hang out with all the boys on the team, and there was this place called Mike's, and it was literally like the Civic Center where the Miramichi Timberwolves play. It's on the corner, and Mike's is literally on the opposite side of the intersection, like diagonally across. So half the time, um, you wouldn't even like I wouldn't even I'd bring like a I'd wear our suit to the game, but we had like our lockers in the back hallway and. We'd always have just like I'd have like street clothes already in there, and we'd just like you know go into some guy's car and polish off a couple of beers, and then we'd walk across the parking lot when it was time, or and we'd get in the mics and hang out there until they'd kick us out, and then and we'd stumble along somewhere because that league was the best. It just worked out. Our home games were always on the same night in that league, and in Miramichi, our home games were Saturday night. So uh, usually it worked out that we'd either be on the road during the week, but we'd always have Sunday off, and we'd always be home on Saturday night. So it was hilarious. We'd basically go to Mike's every night, <laughs> every Saturday night. And then uh, there was a bunch of good little drinking spots in that town. Like, it was such a great spot to play. Like, there's a little spot called the Boulevard. Like, I heard you mention that. We used to go there all the time. It was literally just a, it's like a hallway. There's a bar on the one side and the left side, like just a bar. Like there's some, some seating in the wall behind it. It was just one of those places that was no food, little little vending machine in the back, and just sold booze and beer, and it was unbelievable. 
And then you could cross the river because his town's built around the river. And there was like O'Donoghue's. There was a, like, you could do a lap of the place. There was great pool halls. Like, I mean, there's very big drinking culture out there. I mean, that's what it seems like a lot of people, a lot of people like to do with their spare time. So yeah, the bars are unbelievable out there. Well, I laughed because when I, I was just like, oh, I'm going to hit him with a few bar names to see what he says. And like, <laughs> I just typed in like Miramichi bar. And the first one that came up that was like the not an anchor. And I'm like, well, there's like the great, the greatest. Like, if there wasn't a maritime name, there it is, right there. I'm like, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, they like to embrace that pretty good. It's a good spot. The maritime, we got New Brunswick is a hidden gem, and the maritimes in general are just unbelievable. Nothing but good things there. Yeah, I got, I got to get out to the maritimes. We, the wife and I, have talked about that for a while. We got to do that. But I know. um you did have a you had a playoff tilt I, I see versus uh, Kyle Haas. How did that go? <laughs> so uh, Kyle Haas is one of my like really good buddies. We grew up in Calgary. He grew up in Calgary, and I went to school with him growing up. Played Bantam with him one year, and I still keep in touch with him to this day. So he's he's one of my good buddies, and I'd actually fought him once before in like a spring camp for a junior A team. So. He was like, I mean, Kyle's tough as nails, and like he's gone on and he's still tough. He just signed with uh, Dundee the other day, so he's. I didn't know he was going to go back and keep playing because like he's been trying to become a boxer. Like this guy's like a legit nail. But uh, when I when I fought him, it was pretty funny. Like I don't know, it was it was after the buzzer in a in a like you said the playoffs. So we ended up both getting suspended. Our teams got fined. It turned out to be hilarious, but uh, I mean wasn't a crazy tilt or anything but we were, we were both trading some blows it was pretty funny but like i said it's one of my good friends so i feel like when i know a guy like that like i mean you can't be scared of your buddy right so i i mean i i, I would fight him today even though he'd probably beat the wheels off me nowadays he's been he's been doing pretty well for himself it seems like with the fist well, after you uh, you, you wrapped up a couple of years there in the in the Maritimes, you, uh, you you hit the university scene in uh, uh, Nipsing. How did the five years there with the Lakers? Um, how did you how did you choose that college, or did that college choose you? What happened there? Um, well, I, I was trying to like I wanted to play in the in youth sports. That was my plan, and uh, I was kind of. Handed out some options. I was going to go to Mount Royal in Calgary and stay, uh, go back home. But uh, Mount Royal, like, was new to the league. And, you know, those big city teams, like, that's where everyone wants to play. So they're just signing, like, really good, like, major junior guys that had, like, you know, good five-year careers. And, I mean, no shame to myself, but I know how it goes. So I could see where I was lining up in the depth chart. And I was going to go to State. And I was going to do, go that way, but then I was going to end up doing like a two-year diploma, and I thought, is that a waste of time? And then Nipissing was offering me, and they wanted me to come in. They kept saying that I'd play a lot, so I was like, well, I didn't know anything about Ontario or especially Nipissing or North Bay in general. So I kind of, in my head, I was like, I'd had a good time out there in the Maritimes, and I'd already been to Lethbridge, and I was like, I've been having a good time kind of like traveling around. I was like, why not check out Ontario? So I went out there, and Five years later, turned into seven because I'm still living out there now. I don't live in North Bay. I live down south in southern Ontario now. But I mean, North Bay was a good time, and I liked going to school. Getting my degree was good, and 
I mean, I was glad I got to play hockey at a, at a high level throughout that time. I mean, university hockey was obviously a little different than, than what the Western League or any level of pro or whatever. So, I mean, it was a good time, though. I mean, I have nothing good, good things to say. Great experience, and I'm kind of glad I went that route for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, you're kind of bouncing around Canada. You're in the West, then you're out in the Maritimes, now you're in the East, you're seeing it all. Um, yeah, in terms of the in the university hockey, I mean, I have... Um, you know, I've had Dakota Audgers on the show a couple times. Of course, you played against him. He was at Carleton. Um, what, what was, like, coming from the Western League and, of course, Junior A and everything else? Uh, so now for the listeners out there in Canadian hockey, um, you can wear half visor. You're not wearing full cages. It's half visors. Um, so it's a little different in that sense from the NCAA, but still no fighting or anything. Um, did you find, like, I know, I know Dakota's feelings on it. What were your feelings on college hockey? Like, I mean, he said it was obviously, it's obviously it's great hockey and, and, you know, high end, but in terms of the no fighting and stuff and all that, did you, how, how frustrating was that for you? Well, I thought it was pretty wild. Like I remember my, well, I'll never forget it. Like I, I tell this story to people all the time when they ask me like this question about it. Mm-hmm. I always say, like, the first exhibition game I ever played in, I remember I was so sore after. And, like, I was, like, kind of, like, talking to my buddy, and I was like, man, like, I'm so sore. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you're going to be sore in this thing. He's like, because, like, people are going to do the dumbest shit to you you've ever seen in your life. Because, like, everyone is a hero, and it was so true. Like, the first exhibition game, like, you know, you're getting, like, cross-checks from guys that, like, would never do that or just kind of like, just kind of like dirty, more dirty, chippy stuff I found. And then like, I mean, you kind of learn how to adapt to that. And then it's just weird. Like, I mean, there's guys that are just like, it just totally changes everything. Like it's hard to explain until you can like picture, like you, and it's, it sucks because like the people who like don't, the people who like, it sounds, and I'm not trying to sound like that asshole, but like, the people who always say they don't understand these, like what we're saying in these arguments or how it's so different are the ones that have like never really seen it for themselves. You know what I mean? Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's so evidently like the atmosphere is so different when fighting's on evolved, especially at that level where it's all guys who have played a high level where that style of hockey has been present. And then you put us all in this ring with a 28 game season. And then you take that away and just like you put the testosterone, like the testosterone of only a two game weekend happening every weekend, and boys just practice, 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 and they play two games in the weekend. Like it was pretty hilarious. I found like some wild shit that I've never seen in my life. Like people making hits I've never seen that would never happen in any other league in the world. Like we'd always just laugh. It was like only in this, only in the CIS. <laughs> that's what we'd always say. It's pretty funny. Well, and I mean, and yeah, you t- well, that's why I brought it up, but you, you sort of touched on it there. I mean, you know, and I know you're on, well, obviously that's how we got in touch, but I mean, I know you're on social media and I'm going to get into it because after listening to your, some of your podcasts, um, <laughs> you and I have had the same, uh, uh, I guess rants on our podcast at different times about these things, but, um, <laughs> I'm sure we do. Yeah. Well, like you sort of brought it up. So when, like when people out there, uh, you know, you have the argument that, um, and you tell them, well, when you take away fighting, the game becomes dirtier. Of course, they look at you, you know, like you're insane. And the media people will argue with you that, no, it's cleaner, like college hockey's cleaner or whatever. 
um, well, you sort of mentioned it there, but I mean, you know, what's your, and your response to that would be having a guy, been a guy that's played both both ways, you know, in a league that allows it and then five years in a league that doesn't. I mean. Yeah, well, I mean, I found like, and like I, I played, uh, I even played a couple exhibition games. I remember we played, uh, Cornell one year and then the one year we played, uh, Lake Superior State, uh, Sioux, Michigan team there. And even though like that hockey is just hilarious to me, like the most hilarious hockey I've ever seen in my life. Like it's obviously great, fast skilled hockey, but like, I'd never seen anything like it. Like they were flying around, like, I was getting elbowed in the face. The boys are wearing cages. Like it was sticks up in the face, like just stuff like that. People don't understand until you like are part of it. And then I know that wasn't really what you wanted me to say, but no, like, no, it's no, it's you, true. Like, yeah, when, I mean, if it's a full cage, like they're like, oh, the N- like you talk to some media guys, it's like, oh, the NHL should go to full cages. It would be so much safer. You know, that's that's what people will say. I know, and unfortunately, I hope that never happens. But I'm I'm sure the way the world's going, that they'll they'll swing that one day. But like, definitely, like what you what you said earlier about like the difference between like what I would say for uh, a league with fighting in it and not being in it. I guess I'm like the NCAA is a tough example because I feel like you know you can fight in the USHL and stuff like that and the leagues that a lot of these teams you know kids come from, but. I feel like it's a little different. Like this, like the NCAA is just like that's a bad example to I mean compare it to. And then like that's a four year window. Like it's mean like it's like I mean I just hate when people compare like even like college basketball and the NBA. Like people always say, well, college basketball is more exciting. I'm like, well, it's a totally different game to begin with. So it's like you're kind of a fan of a different being in itself. But like the difference between like when people don't understand when they say is it dirtier. And they laugh at you and they say that you take, you know, you take fighting out. It's not even the sense that it's just like the actual, it's not like big hits. It's not big suspension like plays. It's just like the, the, the stupid, like mundane shift to shift things that like a guy that doesn't have to worry about getting punched in the face doesn't have, you know, when you, when you worry about getting punched in the face, you might not whack that guy in the back of the knee a couple times every other shift. You know what I mean? Like, yep. and that stuff just adds up over time. And like, the CIS is the most hilarious example of that in the world. Like, there's teams that are literally successful in that league because all they can do is just be little shits. When you had one, if it was, we always laugh. Like, if you had one, like if it was one normal game and you could just go literally beat the wheels off someone, like it would change the entire league immediately. Like yeah. the teams that would be the best teams yeah. in that league wouldn't be the best teams. The second you allow, the second you allow fighting in, like there's going to be told the standings would be totally different. Yeah, I guarantee you that. And like I would, and people would, anyone can laugh at me. Like I know there's a lot of analytics guys that work for all these university teams that I played against and stuff like that that would laugh at me too. But like until you've been on the ice and you know you're not crunching you know score sheets and stuff like that, I mean people will never understand. And I mean. I'm not here talking like I'm some guy that's played 25 years in the NHL, but I mean, I've seen what I've seen enough to have an opinion of my own form for sure that like, I understand its place in the game. Well, I mean, you have the most unique perspective. I mean, you have the best perspective on it. I mean, you've done it all. I mean, you've been in every league that allows it. You've been in the leagues that don't allow it. You've played pro, 
played junior A, major junior. I mean, you have a clear window compared to anybody else. I mean, uh, yeah, no, so you're the perfect guy to ask. And that's also why, well, uh, same with Dakota Rogers. I mean, he was the perfect guy to ask, too, because he played in the SJHL, the Western League, and then played out with you guys out in Ontario at Carleton. So it's like, yeah, well, who who would know better than him, you know, or you? No, for sure. And, I mean, I, I guess, like, I did uh, get a little taste of I played a little bit in the Southern League after Nipissing. Yep. And, um I went there for like nine games after my fifth year, like during that, before COVID went crazy there. I went down in both February and April 29, whatever, 2019, whatever. Yeah, 2019. Yeah, the first year was 1920 for the nine games. Yeah, and then 2021 for 15. Yeah. yeah. So I went down there and like, I remember a bunch of my buddies that I played with were calling me and asking me like, you know, what's the league like? What's the league like? Because, I mean, they're all, you know, obviously curious. A lot of, a lot of people don't really, I mean, a lot of guys know about the, a lot of people know about the ECHL and stuff like that. But, I mean, I feel like a lot of people, like, I didn't know a lot of guys that had gone down to the Southern League. And uh, so I, I never really knew what much of it would be like. So I, you know, I knew a lot of my friends didn't really know anyone that had gone down either. So, like, when I went down, I had a lot of friends that were really curious, and I was like, when they asked me, I was like, they're like, what's like the skill level like? Like, what's the level of hockey like? And I was like, I was like, well, honestly, like, there's definitely like teams in the CIS that would be like, uh, like the unbelievable, they would be like the best teams in the SPHL, but like it's you can't even compare. It's just like a, again, it's a different game. I was like, fight, there, there's fighting now again. And I was like, boys, like, what rules are they playing? Like, I was like, if we're playing SPHL rules, I was like, I'd probably take any SP team, almost, like, in a way. Like, like the, the game's different. Like, it's a different game. Like, it, and there's just a different aura around the game. It's played differently when there's, like, fighting allowed. And there's a crowd there, which, like, the CIS doesn't have. And um, it's just different aura. It's a different aura, and it's kind of a different animal. I mean, it's like no disrespect to the CIS. I mean, I love the CIS. I mean, it's unbelievable five years. But I'm just saying, like, there's the game would be better if there's fighting involved. I understand what well, it'll never happen this at the CIS level, but I mean, anyone's argument saying it doesn't have a real big effect on the game is this uh, someone that hasn't seen it. And it's uh, it's pretty wild. It's such a different bird and, and just a different animal completely. Absolutely. Well, and like you mentioned, you played for the Birmingham Bulls there for nine games after you um, you're, you're kind of wrapping up there in college and then you went back the following year. But what did you think of hockey down south? And what were th- was it? Bur- Alabama. How were things in Alabama? I had, like... Um, when I when I ended up going there, I was trying really hard to get something going in the ECHL, and I was holding out, and then ended up uh, signing there. And I went down there like with really no, I didn't know what to expect at all, and I had such a good time. Like Birmingham was such an awesome spot. Birmingham was also like way bigger city than I thought. Like I didn't know anything about Alabama. Honestly, didn't really look into it too much before I even went down, and I took my truck. And I love driving. Like, I've been, like, all over, like, Canada, luckily, and I've always taken my truck. And this guy, oddly enough, asked if he's, like, uh, would you drive down? And I was, like, well, I was like, hell yeah, I'll drive down. 
So I ended up driving, which made it even that much better, making a nice little road trip down there and down back. But I loved it. And actually, they had, the Southern League's awesome. Like, great rinks, great people, um, hilarious towns. That I, like, I have no business. I've probably never been in my life if I never got the opportunity to go down. So, I mean, I loved it down there. And I, uh, I don't think I'll be going back there this year. But uh, it was uh, it was a really good time. I, I I loved it. Yeah, I mean the the you know you went down, you played the nine games the one year, and then uh, you know the following year, last year, um, you, you played fifteen. What did uh, what did they let, did they let you go, or did you get hurt? What happened? Yeah, I, well, they ended up letting me go, and it was kind of unfortunate. So I got COVID mid February. And then um, the way that it was like in the SP this year was once you got COVID, you had to wait 10 days. And I basically just wanted to go sit in my room for 10 days. So I went and did that. And then in the span of that happening, they got a couple bodies back from uh, the East Coast. And, um, you know, there's a lot of good plays. Like the SP, like, the SP was always a pretty good league in my eyes. But this year, like, the SP wasn't the SP. Like, there was only five teams going. Yeah, and like there was only thirteen on the coast at the start of the season, so like the SD was pretty wild in my eyes. Like it was a very strong league. There's tons of good players that like again, no disrespect to the SD, but they had no business, you know, being in that league to begin with. So this year was a little unique, and it was kind of a weird year, like the off season being so long, like everything getting canceled so many times, like in the back of my head, like it was like when it was actually time to go and we were down there, I was almost in like a day and I was like, I can't believe this is actually happening. Cause I almost like expected it to get canceled. And like, luckily I stayed in shape, but went down there and, um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't play great. I don't think, but, uh, had a really good time and, uh, you know, it was a good group of guys and the league was like really strong and I was having fun. And then unfortunately I got COVID couple bodies came down and then I came back as the seventh B for a couple nights and then unfortunately they let me go uh, middle of March so I, I asked about half the season this year and then uh, yeah it was kind of an unfortunate way to go out and then uh, I don't really know what's going to happen uh, when to keep playing or not it's kind of tough tough call at the moment but uh, I was glad to have the opportunity to play this year because this year was just such a shit show and I know a lot of guys that didn't get the chance to play at all and it's just kind of a wild year so thankful for anything at that point yeah have you sort of uh it's just sort of um kind of a wait and see right now just kind of how work is going to go and if you're going to go back or if you kind of just kind of yeah maybe that's it well like i mean my plan was always for like i mean i've known for i've been pretty realistic i've known for about over a decade longer that i'm not gonna make nhl but i always wanted to play pro and i always knew that uh you know, for a long time now, I knew that my plan was to go to the CIS and then get out and, you know, try and play some pro wherever I could get out to. And, I mean, with, I mean, COVID, I think, kind of made this kind of a shit show in a way because, I mean, that took away a lot of, I mean, a lot, there a lot, of, a lot of things would have been different if COVID hadn't happened and uh, who yeah. knows would have went down. So I kind of feel like that's in the back of my head. Like, I, I want to play. I got a couple offers to play. Like, I could go back down to the Southern League in a couple of different spots and, I was looking at some overseas, like, hilarious leagues to go over there just for a year, just to try it. I'd like to, but I, I got a, I got a girlfriend, and she's, uh, 
kind of barking at my ass to shut her down because I've been kind of making her just like <laughs> float around with me for a little bit. So I understand her point of view, but you know, at the end of the day, I can't let that make my decision go longer. And, um, but, um, I mean, I was even looking into potential coaching opportunities or something like that. But at the end of the day, I got some decent student debt. And, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not, not making a million dollars playing right now. So I, I got to be realistic at some point. I'm debating just, uh, also just shutting her down and getting to work full time, like 12 months a year. Enough of this just like trying to grind my summers away as hard as I can to make ends meet through the winter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So we're sorry. So the world, the hockey world is waiting to see what Harris, what Harrison Harper decides the decision. Are you going to say, you're going to say that you're going to have to have an exclusive on the, on the, on your podcast. The decision. Yeah, I, I will. The problem will be it'll, it'll probably be like the day before a decision has to be made. Like I, I love uh, just riding by the seat of my pants, uh, which is a terrible way to be in a lot of things. But uh, I mean, I, I find decisions like this. I mean, just kind of wait and see what happens and uh, see as the summer goes on. What uh, how I'm feeling, and uh, I mean, I'm one of those guys that I like to stay in shape, so I'll be staying in shape and in the gym. So. If I do play, I don't have to worry about that. So hopefully, we'll see. At this point, like I said, I actually have no idea. I'd say my mind's in a blender about the whole topic. Really. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, well, so today, like I said at the start, I uh, you have uh, started your podcast. It's an interesting podcast. It's not a hockey podcast. It's not, it's not a political podcast, as you said many times. Uh, and the episodes I was listening to, but you sort of just uh, you know whatever the the topics of the day are, and talk a few different things. You've had finance on there and the whole the whole nine yards, and you do talk some hockey. Um, what made you get into the podcast? Well, I know you took uh, uh, marketing, and uh, which I found weird that you took marketing in university, and then but then you're t- that you're saying on the podcast that you don't really understand the whole uh, marketing on social media type of thing. Which was odd yeah. to hear. Yeah. Well, though, I guess um, I originally was, like, going to go to school. Like, my plan was to go to, uh, I was going to do, like, broadcasting when I went to school originally. Like, I wanted to get into radio or something like that. Yeah. It was always my plan. Or, like, even do, like, play-by-play It was, like, uh, something I thought I would want to do maybe after I played or something like that. But, um ended up like when it was time to go to school I was like I don't want to go to school for two years and do a diploma for radio and then like what am I going to do with that if it doesn't work out so I was like can't do that I didn't know what to do so I ended up doing a business degree I took marketing that was my major the major in that in human resources and I ended up just liking marketing and that was the way I went for it and then I ended up getting involved with a podcast because I was like always, I was interested in, in podcasts because I didn't go to school for radio. And then the way I was seeing everything go with all these podcasts, like a little late to the game, I was like, well, I can just do a podcast. Like I don't need to go to school. I was like, I don't really care what I do with it. Like no one listens to it. I don't care. Like it'll just kind of be, it's always something I wanted to do. So I started out with a little university podcast that I did with a buddy, uh, a fellow student athlete at the school that he played soccer and I was in the hockey team and, me and him just got together and made a little podcast for the school, started out doing sports, then we started doing, like, school news, and, I mean, that was pretty straight-edge, pretty boring stuff if you didn't go to the school, but 
I mean, it was something to start. We did like something like 40 episodes over two school years, and it was pretty fun. And then and after that ended, it was like, I didn't know what to do. And then this was about a year ago, and I just kind of was like, well, like, I, I had buddies I was on the phone with, like, talking about doing a podcast. But, like, in my head, I was like, I know how unorganized I am, and, like, we don't all live in the same city. Like, we all have a bunch of different shit going. I was like, the reality of us being able to get a weekly show out with, like, me and two co-hosts was like zero percent so i was like i was like in my head i was like a little narcissistic i was like well i kind of like just talking to myself anyway sometimes so why don't i just gotta do it and ramble on to myself if i don't have a guest i'll just literally talk to myself for uh the whole episode if i have to and i was like well i'll just try it and like if no one listens to it like at least i'll just keep getting better and better and i mean i don't really have a like I, that's why I called I call it the project because like it's a project like I don't really have a clue what I'm doing with it I just kind of go on and sometimes I have guests sometimes I talk about sports or just kind of talk about whatever just kind of whatever goes on so it's kind of all over the place but I have a good time doing it I mean I, I'm gonna keep doing it got to get more episodes out though it's been tough to get a weekly show going it's hard to get them out every week yeah yes it is yeah um well, and it's funny listening to you tell your story. We're sort of kindred spirits in that regard because, yeah, same thing. I mean, I'm obviously a lot older than you are, but yeah, I mean, when I left high school, that was, I was, I, I was wanting to go into radio and I kind of did an open house and I did a, you know, whatever, an internship and stuff. And then I think a bunch of the radio guys basically talked me out of it because back then, this is the early nineties, right? Or kind of mid nineties. I mean, there was no satellite, no one had ever thought of satellite radio or anything like that. So, you know, it was just AM, FM, right? And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm, yeah, I remember just, they kind of, t- they're like, dude, there's no money in it. You know, you're going to be doing the AM up in like, you know, Duck Lake somewhere, you know, and I'm like, oh, you know, because for some reason you have it in your head like, oh, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be doing the morning drive show in Calgary right when I'm done, won't I? You know, it's just like you have this stupid, you know, and then it was kind of like, well, I don't really want to do that. So I never, I never pursued it. But yeah, then I, I saw that podcasting could sort of be, you know, the hot, like fix my radio uh, dream, I guess, sort of, so to speak. So, yeah, no, so it was funny when you mentioned that, that it was very much, um, I was on the same, I had the same sort of mindset. But, uh, uh, well, listening to your shows, uh, like I said, I listened to a bunch of them today in the truck, and uh, you're an amusing dude. You uh, you make me laugh. Um, and I, you're, some of your, well, I know you're, you're one of the big, uh, you got to be one of the more famous alumni of Joey Tomatoes, apparently. But wasn't that your first job? Yeah. Sh- yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was my first. That was my first ever uh, restaurant job. Yeah. I was a fresh eighteen year old. There you go. But uh, your one of your hockey ones that you were talking about, and like I said, it was funny because I had brought that up on one of my episodes as well. Um, We'll get into the Austin Matthew because I know you're a Leaf guy. We'll get into that in a second. But the other the first one I wanted to bring up, you were it, it was funny because I was getting in and out of the truck, and right when I was getting into the truck, I hear you yell the code, and it and it cracked me up because I've yelled about the code forever on my show, and you coming from a different generation, a younger generation, um, you had said on the show that you had never heard that term, like so. So for the listeners out there, when you were in the Lethbridge Hurricanes dressing room or Miramichi or whatever, no one ever talked about the code to you? 
No, and I feel like, the, I don't know, like, like I feel like I obviously know what it is, and, like, like thinking back, like, I don't think anyone ever talks about the code, like, like no. maybe, um, like, maybe the code might have meant, like, I feel like some guys thought if a guy was down, you wouldn't punch him once or twice, like, while he's on the ice, but then, like, if you saw a guy do it, you'd just be like, oh, this guy's nails. Like, this guy's tough. He doesn't give a shit. Like, it wasn't like, oh, he broke the fucking code. Like, there's no talk like that. Like, like I mean, maybe there's an imaginary boundary of what you shot should be right. But if someone went over it, like, what are you going to do about it? You either address it or you don't. There's, like, there's no code. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, like, I just find it's just, like, a hilarious made-up term. Like, what's the code? And, like... Everyone talks about it. I'm like, what? Well, it's an easy. It's like an easy tagline for the media to like label a type of behavior that like everyone will know what they're talking about. So I feel like that's why it ever got started. But like, I don't know. I just like no, never heard any talk of the code when I'm playing ever. I laugh because you were going off on Farhan Lauji. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god. Well, it's like, I, I'm like, I just, I love media. I just like, I just found like, I don't know when it turned. And I feel like when I was young, like, I'm, not, I'm only 27 right now. But like, when I was younger watching like Sports Center and stuff, it was more like, they just kind of like, we just kind of watched the game and we like, we celebrated it. And now it's like, we always had this emphasis on like analysis and yeah. like breaking everything down. And, and now that means like, we have guys that like, literally know nothing about the sport like breaking it down and then like unfortunately we have hilarious apps like twitter where these like these boneheads like get in exchanges with like literal nobodies and they're like supposed to be broadcasters and they're arguing with nobodies on their twitter it makes me like honestly how it makes me so happy like these people make money to have like important opinions and they're arguing their opinions with people that don't even have real profile pictures on twitter like it's fucking amazing but it just makes me laugh, like, how it's all gone. So it's gone pretty sideways, like, the media standpoint. Like, it's just, like, how do you take anyone seriously anymore? Like, you can't. And then when you actually get a guy that you, like, want to listen to that's good about talking about hockey, it's like you almost you don't even care anymore because everything's so awful. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean? oh, yeah. Like, I've, I've yeah. said a million times, it's like, you know, as much as social media i need to be on social media whatever to promote the show and all that stuff it's just like it's it's sort of that necessary evil if you're going to do a podcast but it's like oh the cesspool that is hockey twitter it just drives me up the wall and especially when you get old when you're older and it's like you know, you, you know you have some 18 year old douchebag telling you it's like you don't get it bro it's like oh i'm gonna kill you i want to kill you <laughs> you know it's just it's embarrassing <laughs> Yeah, well, I find, I don't, like, I always wonder this about other sports, too, like, is, if you're, like, a big, big baseball fan, and you're on, like, baseball, from looking at Twitter or something like that, and if you just see a bunch of nonsense going on Twitter, like, is it as aggravating as it is for, like, hockey fans sometimes? Because I feel like hockey is such a unique game, I feel like it's so easily misunderstood. that's probably why it's never really gotten, like, the following, and maybe we all feel it should have in North America because it is a very complex game. Like, you didn't know what the hell was going on. You showed up to a hockey game, you'd probably feel like, what in the world is happening? You'd have no clue. Like, I feel like I, I know multiple girls in my life, girls and guys, and a bunch of people who don't, aren't really around the game that much, still don't understand hockey at all that I've known, like, my whole life. And, like, they're Canadians. Like, 
complex game, like, I just find, like, there's so much that more that goes into it. I feel like might get lost on people. And, like, when you're on Twitter, it shows so easily to me. It just, like, blows my mind. Like, it's just, like, are other sports easier to, like, just be a casual fan of? Or is that why hockey's so aggravating as, like, an actual hockey fan to see people that know nothing about it speak on it, like, so hilariously? Well, one of the topics that you actually, you had talked about on your show that, that really hit home with me. And like I said, I, I, I find, it's funny. I find like our hockey takes, we like, we just mirror each other like the whole time when I was listening to your show. It was like, um, you had brought up how, um, and it's true. And I've said the same thing. The NHL out of all the major sports, I find anyway, and like, and, and you said it perfectly on your show was they just cater to the casual fan or they just try to alter everything to the casual fan. I've, like I've always said, I've never seen a league try so hard to alienate their hardcore fans as the NHL does. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's embarrassing. And it's just like, it's not even, it's not even casual fans. It's like they're, they're marketing to people who will like never even be fans in the first place. And will never, they, they market to people that they'll never make money off of. Like, Yep. They don't market to the people that would spend the money to go, and they don't take time to show its case to the people that might actually be interested in it. No, they try to like polish their image for like the three people that might be upset when something happens. Like, well, that's like Bissonette was saying. He goes, "That's the the NHL caters to the vocal minority on Twitter." Mm-hmm. And it, he goes, "It's just ridiculous." It's ridiculous. Yeah. He, like there's always going to, especially nowadays, like it's like there's going to be a vocal minority. But if you have a following, there's going to be a vocal minority, and it's like, yeah, you have to respect them, and like you don't disrespect these people. But at the same time, like you can't, we can't just like there's going to be no diff, like there's going to be no art anymore if we just let every single thing that's wrong, like and just wash everything away. There'll be no point of anything. Yeah, no, I know. I hear you. You know, and I, I kind of want, that's like, like I said, one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on, of course, is, is just, um, you know, with my show, when I have players on, of course, most of the time it's, they're, you know, they're older guys that played in the minors, you know, or wherever played hockey back in the nineties and stuff. Right. So we're all like in our forties and fifties. So, so that's why I wanted to have you on and Dakota on and stuff like that. Cause you guys in your mid twenties, um, sort of that different generation that wanted to get your take on a lot of things. And it was funny, like I said, listening to your show, how you and I, despite the 20 year age difference, how we just, how we mirror each other in terms of our thoughts on the game. And it was, uh, no, that's why, like I said, that's why I wanted to have you on. But I also, you were also talking about being a Leaf guy, a Leafs fan, and you were kind of giving its old, uh, Dubas there in his calculators and uh, you were saying it's it's tough to be an Austin Matthews fan these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm a Leafs fan. Grew up in Calgary. I'm not joking. I don't think I knew a single other kid that was a Leafs fan my whole childhood. Like, I used to get tormented as a kid, but I stayed strong. <laughs> um, I, I do like the Flames, too, but no, I, I am a Leafs fan first and foremost. And I, I always will be, but, I mean, it's tough, I'll be honest. It's really tough these days, and, like, I love, uh, I was all for the team that they built at the time, but like, when you just repetitively see them like perform the way they have in the playoffs, and then you just like, 
it's like maybe the the ingredients don't don't really mix that well right now. Like something's got to change. And I mean, I'm no GM. I don't build I don't build hockey teams or anything like that. But the way that they they've uh, just this is I guess the NHL as a whole too. The way they've just gotten used to just paying these young guys before they've really done much. And I'm not saying they haven't done anything. Like they have yeah, great seasons. Uh, they'll put up a lot of points. Uh, you know, they might win a Rocket Richard Trophy and whatnot, like Austin Matthews just did. But, like, that matters for sure. And, like, that's great. And, you know, that's what you want. But, like, if, if the goal is not to win the Stanley Cup, then, like, what's the point of all these bells and whistles? Like, in my eyes, I just think it's a waste of time. Like, I mean, it's just ridiculous to me how they built this team. I feel like in Toronto, like you couldn't even like you couldn't even rebuild right now and sell the farm if you wanted to because all these contracts like no one would even take them. And like I, I when you're asking me about my Austin Matthews comment, like I did, I lost a little bit of respect for him this playoffs, and um, it was a, like the moment I really talked about, which I'm sure you're probably referencing on my show, yep. Darren was. That moment when they're playing Montreal and, like, I don't remember if it was game two or three. You know, the Leafs were, I think, up at the time, but, like, or they might have been down at the time. And anyways, it was on home ice. I think it was Ben Sherratt or, like, someone, like, grabbed him from behind, like, kind of horse-collared him, was pulled him around. And, like, CBC cameras zoomed right in on him and, like, slow-moed it. And he's just, like, smiling and giggling. And I saw this thing happen a couple different times in a couple different scrums. And, like, correct me if I'm wrong, where did the Austin Matthews have one goal in that series? I think he I had think one so. goal in that series. Like, yeah. he did. He was an absolute passenger. He was an absolute ghost. This guy's laughing on home ice, showing no jam, no fire, no pushback at all. These guys, like, taking advantage of him on his own rink. This guy's supposed to be the man, the Rocket Richard trophy winner. The guys are just grabbing him and tossing him around by his jersey. And he's not even pissed. That's the thing, like, why would anyone stand up for him on his team? Like he doesn't even care. It's like a joke to him too. And then they go on and lose that series, and everyone's the passenger. After, and they, I feel like that in my eyes, that was like a turning point of the series. I was like, this is embarrassing. And like the moment that series ended, I just couldn't stop thinking back to that moment. I mean, like, kind of makes me be like, I mean, not lose respect for Austin Matthews, but like that that moment will uh, stick in my mind. Like he he has to show me something this year for sure. And at the end of the day, who the fuck am I? I'm a nobody, but as a Leafs fan, I've never seen it like this. Like, I, I've been up to Timmins. I've been down to in Toronto. I've been around Ontario. A lot of Leafs fans. I've never seen this much unrest. I've never seen it like this in Leafs Nation. This is some serious, like, lost fandom in the heart of Leafs Nation. Like, there's, like, not to sound dramatic, like, I know some, like, people who say that uh, they got their uncles have um, taken down all the pictures off the wall. Uh, multiple reports of behavior like this going on around these nations. So uh, it's not even uh, it's not just me crying the blues right now. A lot of people are upset in Leafland. Well, it was so funny when you talked about the Austin Matthews thing because I was laughing because yeah, I remember when I brought it up in my show because I kept seeing on hockey Twitter all these Leaf fans. They kept showing the, yeah, they would show the, what is it, GIF or me, whatever the hell it is, the GIF of Matthews laughing, along with, like, the Joker from the Batman movies. And they're like, oh, he's like the Joker, you know, whatever. And I'm like, and I said to the one guy, I said, you do realize at the end of the movie, the Joker lost, right? Like, yeah. 
well, and then look what happened, right? I was like, oh, karma, you know, foreshadowing. But it was, uh, no, when you brought that up on your show, I, oh, I was laughing because it was like, yeah, exactly, you know, but, uh, you know, because I, I brought, like I said, I had mentioned it on social media. And of course, like, oh, yeah, whatever, boomer, and you don't get it and whatever. So then to hear you say it too, it was like, well, there you go. I'm not, the, at least I'm not the only crazy one that thought that way anyway. No, and like I mean, maybe I'm being a little over dramatic about that, but like I thought that was pretty poor in my eyes, and I don't know, just makes me laugh. I mean, he better, hey, he better, he better win the Rocker shirt again next year, or or they better sell him somewhere. Well, I was, well, I was going to say, like, in your, on your years of playing, you're sitting on the bench in Lethbridge or Miramichi, and and like something like that goes on, and one of your guys sitting there, like. Wouldn't the boys just like so? You're at you know, like I said, you're down. At the, you're at the boulevard after the game or Mike's. Would you just kind of look at the guy and go, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like, you know, yeah. would, you, would you call well, the dude out? I, I don't think. I just don't think that would ever happen. Like, I just don't think that would ever happen. I don't think. It, I just. I don't know. Then again, I don't play in the NHL. So yeah, well, I mean, me yeah, like I, I said, well, when I grew up with the Leafs, it was like, I said, I don't think I'd ever see Doug Gilmore and Wendell Clark laughing in a scrum. It, it just never would happen. So I don't know. It's 2021. 20, like Mario Lemieux or someone like that, like they'd be like, they'd be turning around being like, who the hell's grabbing me? Like with this disrespect. Yeah. Like that's what I feel like. It would just be like. I just would be handled differently. I don't I certainly don't think like that, but uh, who knows, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, man, I won't keep you very long. I know you've had a long day today, and it's it's late out there. So, I mean, I certainly want to get you back on the show. I got a bunch of stuff I'd like to talk to you about. But uh, again, your show, your pro, your podcast, the project. What do you what do you got on board? Like, what, what do you see? What do you see going forward with your show? What what kind of what do you want to? What do you see for your show? What do you want to do with it? Um, truthfully, I, I, I don't really... I just want to be able to talk about uh, anything and everything and have guests on of all sort. Uh, I'm looking at uh, trying to make some money here, working hard, trying to, trying to get it settled in here with some, uh, you know, make some good money here in the next couple of years of work. And then... My plan is to like kind of get a house, get my own spot with, uh, get, get some sort of like hilarious built in some studio in there and just kind of have, uh, just keep going with it. I want it to be weekly and I mean, I don't really care how big it gets. I mean, I feel like I do all right for how much I put into it right now. Like I got a lot of good, uh, a lot of people I know will listen to it. And I mean, I'm surprised sometimes by the people I, by the numbers I get on it from like not really working too, too hard on it. But, uh, just gonna keep going with that. I'm really poor right now. I like uh I've been getting into like uh been just working a lot this summer and like unfortunately that's been the priority at the moment and sometimes uh I've been on the road too and like I was trying to get in touch with you weeks ago. I was up in Timmins working, didn't even have Wi Fi. So I've been running into some situations like that that I feel like the normal podcaster doesn't have to endure, but uh I've been pretty good. I mean I, I was doing episodes when I was down in Alabama playing so wherever I go, I'm going to try to make it work. So that's that's the plan, anyways. I'm just going to keep it going. Really, is the plan. Yeah, I, I find like I found as I've gone on here and, and done it for a little while. I think yeah, consistency definitely helps. Um, with, like when people can rely on okay, every Thursday or whatever, a show is going to come out. You know, and uh, I think that definitely helps. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, I think for for the listeners out there, I think, and I say I I've said too, I I naively got, went into it thinking this is going to be a lot easier than I thought it would be. It actually turned out it's actually a bit of work to do this. Oh yeah, you can't just like upload it and like even um, like when I was lucky when I had that little podcast I mentioned in university. I did a mo- like I did a lot of talking on that show. I kind of decided a lot of the direction of the show, but my buddy was like the editor. He did all the editing. So my show started out with even to this day. I do a lot of my podcasts, or I just press go and I just press stop. If it's just me, I just do that, and then I usually don't edit anything. But I've had to teach myself, unfortunately, how to do all this editing stuff that I never planned on learning how to do. Yeah, I'm not big on editing either. I just sort of let it go. But I think just in terms of, uh, I mean, it's one thing when you have an interview, okay. Like, I mean, I'll do the research on the guy. and But, I mean, that's just number, that's, you know, stats and rosters. That's that's not a real big deal. But I, I find when I do, like on my Sunday shows, when it's just like a, a rant episode, so to speak, um, that's actually tougher. Because you actually sort of have, obviously you have to come up with topics that, people will find at least well you think they're you hope that they find interesting anyway mm-hmm. like i've had a few episodes yeah. where i've just i had nothing really planned i just sort of hit record oh i'll just talk and it'll come to me and it's just a fucking train wreck like it's like no i gotta have some oh, bullet yeah. points written down or something yeah i find you gotta have some direction but then like Almost you don't want a script in my eyes because then if you have a script, I find you go off your script and you start panicking and then you're not really focused on just speaking. So, That's I mean, true. it's good yeah. to have a direction, I find, and then just kind of let yourself, you know, go and flow wherever it flows after that, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, I'll let you go. Like I said, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, Harrison Harper, folks, uh, definitely check out his show, The Project. It's on all major platforms. Uh, Harrison, thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate it. Hey, no, thank you so much. And we'll definitely have to do this again. And maybe one day soon we'll have to have you on the project or something. Hey, there you go. If you ever want to plunge those ratings, get me on there. I'll help you out. (laughs) There you go. Absolutely. All right, Matt. I'll let you go. Have a good night. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Harrison. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 